And welcome to the Home Lab Show, episode 49, Do You Need a VPN? And uh, one, wow, we're almost to 50. And do you need a VPN is going to be a, a topic that's a little bit complicated because you may have noticed if you follow me and Jay's channels, we don't shill for a lot of VPN companies. Uh, they're not like yeah. the sponsor of choice for us because, well, we got opinions and we're we're very yep. careful about who we'll take on as a sponsor. So I, I will admit, full disclosure, yes, there is an affiliate code I do have for PIA. And I, I've said the same joke when I've done videos that if you'd like to sign up and you insist on signing up anyways, even though I said this is probably not a good use case, there's an affiliate link. I mean, if you're going to sign up, use an affiliate link. But Maybe nonetheless... Well. It's not not the same as being sponsored and paid for by a VPN company, and I don't have to do the silly ad reads that are everywhere. And we'll be talking about that in this one. Before we get into this video, we do have to thank a sponsor because we, you know, still got to keep pay the bills. And we like this sponsor, and you can use them for a VPN. We'll talk about this use case. Is Linode? They are still sponsoring the show since the beginning, and they have been great to work with and are a great service. If you're listening to this and downloaded it off your favorite podcast app, you will have downloaded this from a Linode server. They are very Linux user friendly, which is also you know one of the reasons we like them. But they have a lot of different things you can run, lots of pre-built packages, or one of the many packages and things and processes we've talked about on here frequently can be done and spun up in a Linode server. So if you don't want to run all this stuff at home, run it on Linode. Why not? And of course, there's the use case if you want to have a VPN that hides things from your you know, ISP. Well, Linode's a good place to traverse that traffic over and you can set a VPN up into Linode server. I even got a video where I break down how to do that, how to build a server in a cloud with WireGuard. So there's all kinds of fun things you can do with Linode. We thank them for being a sponsor of the show and let's jump into the topic. Let's do it. All right. Oh, also for anyone watching this live, Jay, Jay fancied up the studio a bit. I think it's pretty cool. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not completely done because I think anyone that's eagle eyed will see like a strip of white that, you know, still has yet to be done, but um, yeah, it's part of the transformation. I spent like an entire Saturday between that and the ceiling tile. Yeah. <laughs> that was a filthy <laughs> after that, but I think it's paying off. Yeah. Me and him both, I remodeled first and then now Jay's getting around remodeling. So then you start noticing the differences in our videos. You're like, Hey, wait, that one was filmed at the new studio. And you also realized that Jay already had some pre-recorded content because you'll be like, wait, yep. he just released a video today, but it looks like the old studio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's going to be back and forth for a while because I have some videos done a month ahead in various stages of the office. Um, so it's kind of one of those things. Eventually, the older content ages out and then the newer content's all that's left. So you'll see kind of like uh, back and forth between the two. So it's kind of interesting, like continuity errors in YouTube, you know? <laughs> yeah. Now, we should probably start with the different types of VPN, because mm -hmm. the question of whether or not you need a VPN, you first have to define what you're using it for or what types of VPN there are. And the two first major types are going to be, is this a privacy VPN or is this a, I want to connect to my home VPN? So there's still VPNs, but there's often conflation that goes around when people think they need a VPN. And this comes to the fact that, especially in the non-technical space, the overselling of a lot of these VPNs uh, have people misunderstanding it. People who don't understand tech are advertising it through different social media or podcasts or YouTube or wherever you see this. Uh, and it makes people start conflating what they need the VPN for. Now, right. let's cover real quick, though, first the 
what I consider extremely legitimate and most common uses for VPNs. Obviously, business is going to be kind of a given. We're not going to spend too much time on it, but you often VPN, you know, my wife VPNs because she works from home. So she VPNs into her work computer. Technically, I kind of work from home now. Uh, <laughs> my studio has been moved to my house. So I VPN back into my office where the servers are. It's kind of the same use case. Um, those are really going to be just something you need because if you're not going to expose all your services whether they're at your home or your business and you want to be at a different location and those services you want access to vpns are a good secure way to do this i've commented before when i did some of my firewall videos i said look at the lack of ports tom has open at his house because he uses WireGuard on his phone to access the things locally that he cares about which is mostly just looking at the synology surveillance station cameras why expose it if there's a flaw found that would be scary Less scary is just having WireGuard exposed. And, you know, as long as they don't find a flaw in WireGuard, I can just VPN in. And so those are common VPNs for those two different types. Now, then we get a little bit more confusion because there's kind of subtypes of the VPN transport protocols themselves. IPsec exists. We're aware of it, but we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about it because obviously used greatly in the commercial space for site to site, less used in the home lab environment, which is more our target audience for that. Then we can narrow it down further to say WireGuard or OpenVPN. Now, there's a lot of interesting things because it's a uh, watching the horse races essentially here. Who's the winner? And everyone's going to start just clamoring away going, oh, definitely WireGuard. WireGuard is the newer, faster, fancier protocol. Until you look at what they're doing at OpenVPN, there's a lot of changes coming down the pipe out of scope to dive into the details of them. But the modern versions of OpenVPN with a lot of the way they're changing it is going to end up being really, really fast. So OpenVPN, for whatever reason, people tell me they think it's kind of dead. It's not dead. And it's actually being very actively developed and revamped to support much faster transfer speeds because of a lot of, you know, reworking of code enhancements. So uh, right now in today and the normal versions, Yes, you're going to find, generally speaking, you'll get a little bit more performance than a WireGuard. But by the way, WireGuard is a VPN protocol versus OpenVPN is a VPN protocol plus a framework for authentication. Keep that in mind because if you do need authentication, and not everyone in a home lab does, it's just you, uh, managing user authentication can be, uh, well, it's an add-on for WireGuard. It's not natively built into it functionally. Right. Yep. Yep. Total agreement. Another use case we probably won't go into this, but I'll mention it just so, you know, everybody knows that it's a thing um, in businesses, especially those that work with the cloud. They might have a VPN to their local or, or excuse me, from their local data center to the cloud provider like Amazon Web Services or something like that. That way their servers can, you know, hit the cloud servers as if they were also local. That's very common. Not what we're going to be talking about today, but of course, that's another business use case. And um, yeah, OpenVPN is still going to be a thing for the foreseeable future. And I don't really see it as one replacing the other, but I see it as choice. If you yeah. like WireGuard better, use it. If you like OpenVPN better, use that. I don't think anyone's going to come to your house and say, shame on you for using <laughs> the wrong thing. They will do that online, though, in the comments, oh, yes. in any discussion forums. But um, as long as you filter those out, um, just do whatever's right for you, right? That's that's what it ma that's all that matters. Yeah, and an important part, both are uh, well-vetted, secure protocols that have been kept up to date. Now, yeah. kind of the, the other, by the way, use case, and we'll throw Linode in there. If you are building a series of things in Linode and you want to treat it like local, that's another absolute use case to have a persistently tied, maybe you set up your firewall to be persistently tied to your Linode instances so they're always online. Now, we're not going to forget about 
overlay VPNs, essentially. Overlay networks or overlay VPN is kind of a new category. And the two really big popular products in this space is going to be Tailscale and Zero Tier. They're both awesome. A runner-up, I guess you could say, is Nebula. Nebula is pretty awesome. It's more focused on DevOps. I've done a video on it. I'm actually uh, friends with the developer and uh, Define Networking, the name of the company that supports it. It's an open source one. And I, I, I'd seen someone comment that they didn't think it scaled. I'm like, you realize this is what Slack uses to manage all of their backend servers. So uh, it's definitely a cool protocol in terms of scale, but it's also the most complicated one to set up. So it's not necessarily for everyone in the home lab. But the other ones are definitely good. And they solve the problems differently because the uh, zero tier and overlay VPNs in general solve it by building what the word mesh is not exactly correct, but you're dealing with a network where you're just adding extra network adapters that puts you adjacent without having to actually go for the site to site. But this also then involves third parties in the case of Tailscale, if you're using their servers, it bounces off of their servers to get the connectivity rolling. That way, two different devices, they, you have to have a public, essentially third party, not to be able to intercept any of the traffic, but to be able to coordinate the traffic to figure out where all the nodes are and make all the connections as they need to be. So those are just so we cover the breadth of the different types of VPNs. Yep. All right. Now, VPNs don't sponsor our channels because, and this is where me and Jay, um, we, we believe in this, and that's actually how we titled this little part of the show notes is that. And we just, I don't like the overselling of pretending that if you don't use a VPN, you're not secure. This is implied, maybe not directly said, but as I said earlier, you have so many people and especially in the non-technical space, you know, I watch different YouTube videos or whatever. I even was listening to a podcast where, you know, I'm just completely unrelated topics. They're just talking about some so showbiz stuff, but they're paused for an ad for a privacy VPN. And I'm like, really? You guys are the most non-technical group of people. You're talking about, you know, performance arts and show business, but you got a VPN ad in here. And because of that, it's a dry ad read and it doesn't completely have the context because this person is not technical. This is because VPNs are easy to sell online. They're really cheap. You set up a subscription and it's easy money. So because with any market where there's money, there's almost always overselling of that product, even when you don't need it. So this is right. one of those, the number of people, and this is going back to that broad audience of podcasts and, and people who are creating content, advertising for it. I mean, you, you could have, and this is a legit uh, symptom of this problem. We've had business owners that we manage in my day job, you know, owning a company and managing IT, where they go, hey, uh, do I need a VPN at work so I can connect to my bank? I'm like, why? Well, I was listening to this show unrelated to tech at all, of course. And they keep advertising this VPN. So I signed up for it, but I'm really not understanding how that made me more secure or should I be using it? I'm like, no, stop. Quit loading extra things in your computer and tunneling it and uh, causing problems that, you know, at their home. So, uh, but uh, yeah, it just drives me nuts. And it's just this overselling of it. Yep. And it's blanket overselling. There, now we'll get to times. I'm not going to say you never should use a privacy VPN, but the overselling of it kind of irks me a little bit. And it's one of the reasons you haven't heard me do ad reads for VPN companies and you haven't heard Jay do it either. Right. And I, I'll say this too. I feel very strongly that there's only one thing when it comes to security that's worse than <laughs> bad security hygiene. And that is a false sense of security. That's worse because at that, that point you think you have 
a secure system and you're good, but you're apparently not if you get hacked or something happens. Um, if people are selling a false sense of security, I, I really don't like that because, I mean, think of it this way. If you have, let's just say, your next cloud server um, is is available through a VPN, that, that's great. But if your password is ABC123, it doesn't matter, right? It's not going to help anything because that thing's going to be brute forced because it's accessible to the internet eventually. It's just maybe not terminating at home. It's somewhere else. Um, but more importantly, these companies, yeah, a lot of them don't say uh, or, or won't over-exaggerate, but some do. They'll say, you'll be 100% effective and protected and everything's great. And I think that that's, anytime you hear anything that anybody says about security and they sell it like, you'll be 100% secure, you'll be hack-proof, immediately your BS detector should go up uh, right yep. then and there. Um, and, and to elaborate more on the... Um, you know, on the sponsorship thing, my sponsorship rules are very clear. And I tell everybody this and, you know, literally everyone, I have to have this whole pitch where, you know, if they have a security breach and they get owned and it's their fault that I will delete their ads tomorrow and I will not give a refund. Every single person that sponsors my channel has to agree to that because if I'm, you know, let's just say VPN solution A right now is great. Um, it passes all my tests. I think it's um, it's implemented very well. And then tomorrow they get they get owned. Well, if I have a bunch of videos out there about VPN or about that um, per particular provider, then I'm recommending that to people, and that's my reputation. No, 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 no. Delete, delete, delete. I will cut that ad out of everything. And um, I feel like VPNs have a high likelihood of that type of thing happening, whether it's revealed that they're revealing things that you know to the authorities that they said they wouldn't do, or they said they're not logging, but they are, you know, we, we see these types of things in the news all the time. So that's why really, it, I mean, I'm not saying you'll never see a VPN ad, but it's very unlikely that that's going to happen because they have to go through, and it's right on my website too, what people have to agree to. And yeah, VPNs are useful for some, you know, certain situations, but we got to stop perpetuating this 100% secure thing to everybody because it's doing a massive disservice to pretty much everybody in tech. Yes. And I've seen people posting in the comments, they see plenty of non-tech related YouTube channels and this happening. Um, the reason is really simple, as I said, because it's easy to sell. But let me add some context for that. Large YouTube channels, and e even with mine not being that big, these VPN companies are willing to shell out four or five thousand dollars to us to do an ad read yes that, and then pay us commission on all the people to do it so paid for the ad read so just to give you some perspective now that scales upwards some of these people if you're a big enough you know million plus subscriber channel you could easily get up in there of 10 and 20 30 thousand dollar offers uh for different types of ad reads and vpns in that category it really depends on how much they want to push that so this is, it's really interesting and it's because there's so much. And of course, if someone says, hey, read this and you'll get future commissions plus this, um, you know, upfront money, it's very compelling for these people. They're like, well, I don't know. And if they don't know tech, whatever, it's just, it, it's, it's just another ad read to them. Um, they were selling you know, some mattress company last week. This week's ad read is uh, whatever VPN is on there. Next week is uh, some food company wanting you to subscribe to food shipped to your house. You know, it's just, yep. it, it's, it's all treated the same to them, but 
us being in tech, uh, we think differently about this and the overselling of it on there. I don't really have an opinion on mattresses and food. I don't, I don't, I don't I, subscribe to food or buy yeah. mattresses on subscription online things. So well, I have actually, less opinion on those. <laughs> I, I have some opinions. I mean, I'm really good at sleeping and I'm also really good at eating. Um, and I, I know it tastes good. But, yeah. but no, um, the last thing I'll say on this part um, to get back to the subject, though, is I've had um, no less than two VPN providers reach out to Learn Linux TV for wanting to become sponsors. Neither neither one of them became a sponsor. Um, one of them, um, and I won't say which ones the, these two were, but one of them, I was, I think I spent like two months testing it out, like literally two months. And it's not that it failed any tests. It's like, meh, I don't really want to work, you know, studying or auditing something for two months just to find out if I'm going to let them sponsor. They were offering me like, I think $45 a sign up or something like that. I'm like, that, that's decent money, but I don't really want money, that kind of money right now, because it's, I mean, this particular company, they were not in the news or anything like that. Nothing was bad yet. And as far as I know, they still haven't. But then I had another company reach out to me and, you know, they, they sent me an email and they said, you know, we'd like to sponsor your channel. And my reply was literally, um, you do realize you're in the news last week for a breach, right? Um, and they never responded again. <laughs> like, that was it. They never sent another email and they never replied to that one. Um, and they literally were, and this was some time ago, it wasn't recently, but they were literally um, breached the week prior. And then they're contacting me for a sponsorship. I'm like, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, someone did ask if they can use the Linode for the VPN. And yes, as I said earlier, and it's so absolutely you can. We do have an offer code. You just signed up for that. Now, the other thing we're going to mention on the uh, con side is just going to be the fact that it can cause you to have to click a lot of uh, different I'm a robot things <laughs> because oh, you end yeah. up popping out of another country or I had someone uh, messaged us because they, my website had blocked them. Well, I said, well, no, I blocked an IP address that I was attacked from. If you came through that same shared IP. Now, these are little minor inconveniences you can always disconnect reconnect and uh get a new ip address assigned to you and that should work and that'll help you with some of that side of the vpn where you, now you pop up somewhere else and as long as no one else has used that it's you know a little bit better now the uh last little i guess last one minor mention i'm not going to dive deep in this because we didn't pull a bunch of news articles because i didn't want to rant about it if you do look up there's plenty of vpn companies that have been less than trustworthy and actually were the uh just selling your data, not just cooperating authorities or anything like that, but literally mining and selling data, using their software to install it. There was some some things that happened. If you head over to Reddit, you can find the controversy in there. So like I said, I don't want to get too off topic on it, but some of them were less than honest overall. <laughs> and everyone's probably going, oh, I'm shocked. And it's really hard to trust these companies. They all go through, we have been independently audited. Have you? I don't know. I hear that in an ad. How do I really? It, it's a very difficult thing to prove because you operate... Uh, these VPN companies with certain restrictions, they operate at different levels of kind of anonymity where they have it registered outside the U.S. They make themselves hard to get, which is something you want. But then the other side of it is it's also hard to validate a lot of things with it. Their data centers are located wherever. So there's a lot of fuzziness around there. So nonetheless, this now we can probably swing over to the pros on the VPN now. This is, they're, they're, I just want to get all the bad stuff out of the way. There are good reasons to use it because I was just using one for two of the demos I did on my channel recently. Again, right. And, and there are some other restrictions. I mean, some other um, downsides, but we really, we don't want this to be overly um, 
yeah. a downer of an episode because you know I think the 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 thing here I, I think you have this oh I know you have the same mindset <laughs> is 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 that we advert we advocate for what works not the technology okay right. so we're not going to advocate a technology being used somewhere where it doesn't make sense or um you know pitch something that it'll do a thing that it doesn't do so that that's very important but there's some things that VPN does do and that does help so I'll use myself as an example. I don't use VPN often, but when would I? So if I take my laptop to a coffee shop and I want to do online banking, I mean, honestly, is there anybody at that restaurant that's technically advanced enough to get into my system? It's possible, unlikely, but it, it is possible. So yeah, if I'm doing something like that, like checking my bank account, I will use VPN when I'm out and about for that reason. Um, because it's there and why not? I mean, I'm not going to feel like I'm 100% protected, obviously, but it's, um, I think in some situa situations, it's better than nothing. And then we also have the fact that there's regional restrictions and censorship out there. And that's a legitimate use case, especially nowadays without getting into politics and drama and unfortunate, unfortunate things that are going on in the world right now. Um, this is especially important and it's not fail safe. It's not like you can't be detected that you're on a VPN. You can, but has the service that you're connecting to, have they gone through the trouble to put in something to detect that? Maybe, maybe not. But there's some people out there that have no way around regional or censorship restrictions without using a VPN. So for right. those individuals, that could be a valid use case. Yeah. And so if you have regional things you need to get around and this is this is where it's not that the companies necessarily are doing anything more than complying with whatever regional laws that they have to comply with. If you are the one, and this is what the onus is when they do this, they're like, well, our rules that we're under under this jurisdiction says we have to block this content from coming from where you are, your region. And then VPN gets around it and the you're basically doing a whole the company's doing a hold harmless going, hey, we did, we complied with our regional jurisdiction that said yes, we have to block this content from people coming from here and you being from that place goes, well, I'm just going to use a VPN around it. And they're like, oh, cool. We didn't really want to block our content. We just wanted to comply with the jurisdictional laws. So the region blocking one is kind of a weird one because of the complexities related to uh, especially streaming content and things like that. So those that's, you know, I see as a legit reason to use a VPN. The other legit reason, but this is also something if you've seen recently in the news, um, torrenting. There's a legit reason to torrent, and a lot of the ISPs just don't like when they see torrent traffic. This was a very controversial topic because there are wonderfully legit reasons to torrent stuff. I mean, you got to see the latest Ubuntu ISOs. You got to help them out. Um, matter of fact, yep. even when it came to some of the things that were going on at DEF CON, there was a big file that could go around to help people get a lot of the content that was available for DEF CON. I made sure I took my time to seed that. The ISP frowns upon that type of traffic. They, It's not necessarily um that they're inspecting it more so as just looking at it and going ah that's torrent traffic and what i mean right. by i'm just meaning you're not putting a deeper inspection to try and determine what it actually is they say right. torrent equals bad versus what are you torrenting they're blaming the technology because can you use torrents or are torrents frequently used who grab movies well yeah i mean <laughs> i live in a real world i know that's what a frequent use case is but, you know, not all torrenting is bad, but you still have to then hide that from your ISP because they may throttle your connection. They may give you a letter. They may have problems they have about it. And uh, it's none of their business anyways. 
And right. that leads us to another good reason to have a privacy VPN. It's none of their business, but this is where it's kind of edgy. So let's say you have Comcast or AT&T or insert name of your ISP. And we know those companies are looking at ways to monetize data that traverses their <laughs> network. So can they gather statistics based on the data you have? Because they have a couple interesting things. They have your IP address because they gave it to you. They know your IP. They can then look at that traffic and go, what do we know about Tom and what goes on at Tom's IP address at his house that we has assigned to him? And can we monetize that data in some way and sell it? Well, sometimes they do. Here's the thing. Do you want to spend money with somebody else to cut them out? And the only information they have is that person really likes this particular VPN company and they use this much data over it. You've blinded yeah. them from the details of what goes over it, but they just have a different statistic. They can tell that you're using a VPN. They just don't know what's transported within it. I'm kind of iffy. I'm because who knows? And as I mentioned before, some VPN companies can't also be selling your data. So now you've paid for the privilege to have someone else selling your data. So I don't know. I'm mixed on that use case of it. I, I'm a little mixed on that too, for the same reason. But I mean, I feel like if people want to disrupt the ad agencies out there, the the, the whole ad business, if that's what they want to do, um, or they just want to, you know, disrupt some, you know, the eavesdropping. I mean, the inner people on the internet can get together, and make some really cool things happen. I mean, you could just have a campaign if enough people would do it, where you like the most random, weird things possible that you know you didn't know you'd be into unicorn slippers. I don't know, just liking random things, and everyone did that, and then everyone hid the ads in their feeds that um, that they might be interested in, but you know, just randomly all across the world. I mean, the whole the whole companies, they'd be at their knees basically, but yeah. VPN is not going to disrupt anything. It might disrupt their eavesdropping on you, but all they're doing is, I mean, it could be something like user 17895300 likes Metallica. Okay. Yeah. It's not like John likes Metallica. It's, although there's probably companies out there that will get the name too, but for the most part, it's not as egregious as people think. But if you don't want that to happen, then, well, yeah, maybe that might help you. But is there a guarantee? Well, there's web browser fingerprinting, too, that they could still use, even and, with a VPN. Yes, and web browser fingerprinting is a way more effective way to do ads. The cookies you store, the sites you're logged into is way more effective and for a couple simple reasons. The IP address is actually becoming a less effective indicator of who you are. It, it may give right. you a regional idea of who the person is. Don't get me wrong. It's not without value at all, but it's less valuable than it used to be because, well, you know how many people are here at my house um, logged in? It's not like we can go identify all of them. Ideally, ad companies, they will send my son ads based on his gaming browsing habits and things like that. They send me ads based on I was looking at keyboards and uh, as Jay mentioned, we were in that discussion we had before the show. I got keyboard ads in, in, in different places now because I allowed it to be because that's actually how I find things on sale. I turn off ad blockers when I want to buy things, by the way, uh, which people are going to find weird. But I tell you, I'm I'm all in on the discounts. And the um, that is it's only one piece. And also people who are behind CGNAT, which people complain about a lot of your uh, wireless ISPs, IP address, they only see the the IP you came out with ISP because you're signed a private IP uh, on the inside. So they don't know you distinguish on there. So people who have CGNAT, I'm like, don't, why are you adding a VPN if you're worried about your ISP? I mean, yes, you could be, but at some point you're, you're already, you're already hiding it from a lot of the advertisers. Really your ISP is, are they really trying to do something at the WISP? 
I don't know. But it just wanted to cover that part as a topic on there so people think more concisely about it. Um, right. Back to a pro use case, though, that I mentioned I used in my videos. I did a series of some ransomware and deployment tests when I did my videos on Huntress and S1. Great uses for VPN because one, I knew I had these demo machines locked up in my lab, but I didn't want them traversing out my public IP. I wanted them traversing out a VPN IP. It also made it easier when I'm doing the video. I didn't have to obscure anything. I could show all the public IP addresses of where these machines were beaconing from um, easily. So for aspects like that, uh, now obviously not everyone's going to be using it for demos, but when you're setting up certain lab environments and maybe you're into cybersecurity testing and things like that. You don't always want that coming from your IP address. Um, when you do forum posts and things like that, if there's some worry that someone will come back and DDoS you personally, yeah, you might want to, you know, hide your IP. So it's not to me as, as big of a security problem is more of an inconvenience problem as the best way to describe it. By knowing my public IP address, someone will go, Hey, let's drop the hammer on that public IP address and be annoying and DDoS it because that's still a thing here in 2022. And yes, people yeah. do it. So if those are concerns and because you're participating in gaming forums and boy, the gaming forums are definitely a place where some of this shenanigans start this <laughs> listen to the latest called dirty comms uh darknet diaries episode and you'll get a better idea of of the current hacker scene and the kids and the ddosing and silliness that goes on but <clears throat> nonetheless those are all good legit reasons to use like a privacy vpn yep and speaking of gaming i you know as i talk about every now and then i'm a retro game collector and sometimes i play the newer stuff too I like a lot of Japanese games because, you know, they have some of the coolest games and not all of them come out here. So I literally sometimes have to use a VPN to purchase digitally, to digitally purchase a Japanese game that wasn't released here because um, I actually have to create like a Japanese like store account on the game system and then VPN. It's crazy. Um, but I've done that. It, it works. It, it gives me what I need for, for, for that. But sometimes it's not all about security. Sometimes. And yeah, there's mischief with gaming. I won't get into because, you know, gaming, gaming <laughs> is gaming. It's not anything like it was when I was, you know, when I was a kid, obviously. But um, yeah, there's definitely pros and cons there, too. For sure. Now, uh, someone asked, and, I, and this is actually in our list here. Pro and con of having a kill switch and uh, and setting up a whole home VPN. And I bring up the kill switch ones. I've already got a video on this topic and I did it with PFSense, but I've done it before with Untangle. Those are two popular firewalls that make this relatively, well, it's a little more complicated than PFSense. Untangle's got uh, pretty much just drag and drop your username password in there and set a few policies. But either way, those are two popular firewalls that have the ability to, instead of loading the VPN software on your computer for a privacy VPN, you can actually have it controlled by the firewall. Now, where the kill switch and policy routing comes in. First, the idea to take all of your data and encapsulate it and send it over to VPN is not always practical. It's a bandwidth limitation. It's going to be more taxing on the firewall if it's running. And frequently, these run open VPN. But yes, some of them support WireGuard as well. And if you send everything out that way, well, it may not work. And especially if you need to change around, like you need to be in Japan to buy a video game. <laughs> Maybe you don't want all of your traffic coming from Japan because then that starts setting up anything that does look at your IP address and suddenly giving you the weather in Japan. Maybe you want to know that weather in Japan, but maybe you don't. This right. is where a more advanced setup in PFSense, for example, video on it. Um, it's referred to as VPN with policy routing. I do have a complete video on my channel for this. Uh, PFSense is great for setting this up and it has the option for a kill switch. There's different ways to implement the kill switch. I show one of the 
ways I think is a good way to do it. Uh, but as Jay may remind us again, and he's, he pointed this out and he's very correct about this. Yes. If you screw it up, you accidentally, especially if you're doing something, uh, and we've had people do this, they invert it and actually, uh, end up sending all their data out their WAN instead. There's, you have to be careful setting this up. You have to test it thoroughly too, because it's so easy for, I mean, if you have a race condition or some kind of a, um, problem, if, if a, enough packets leak before it reconnects, if the kill switch isn't fast enough, isn't implemented well, then your ISP is getting everything they need to know right then and there. I mean, it's just, we've seen this happen where, you know, I think it was Unify that um, <laughs> yes. someone, someone's, <laughs> yeah, their IP or they, they had some packets leak. They found out that it's allegedly an inside job or, I mean, it's just crazy. That whole story just took this weird kind of entertaining, but unfortunate turn and it all and the person may have gotten away with what that person was allegedly doing if they had a proper kill switch that didn't leak anything so um i think we keep going back to the you know don't be overconfident thing because um you got to be really careful with this stuff and it's so easy to implement something wrong even if it by design would more than likely serve the goal implementation is everything if you have weak security hygiene it doesn't matter yeah, that's it. You, it's one of the reasons when I set it up, it's you test, you set it up, you test and verify. Um, yeah. And hopefully you're not doing anything illegal that would get you caught because uh, we're actually really happy that person's VPN dropped and they were caught because yeah. they were doing something very illegal and they were extorting their employer for money, et cetera. But um, it's one of those things though. you want to make sure that you have everything in place. This is just good OPSEC if you're doing it. And the same thing with myself, even though I'm the one doing the tutorials and I'm fairly knowledgeable on this, before I did my ransomware demo, I reached out to one of my own staff. I said, please audit this configuration. I want to double check. I've did all my own testing. It looks good. Let's go ahead and have you look at it. And they go, Tom, you did it right. I said, great. So that's, um, you got to be really careful if you're doing it for something that is more risque, like doing your environment and setting up your lab to deploy ransomware and you don't want it tracked back to your personal IP address. So that's exactly. <laughs> uh, and then there's a possibility DNS leaks, you know, yeah. there's not so much the data, it's the DNS. They know where you've been. They might not know what you're saying, but they know where you've been. So mm -hmm. depending on if you have that secured or not, could also be another issue. So I think what it comes down to for the most part is just like everything else. I mean, I don't like the mentality when, you know, like I was um, going to say earlier that when you learn in technology, you know, a specific tool, everything becomes a nail. I just, yeah. that's like my biggest pet peeve in IT. It's just like people, you have to cloud all the things. Cloud is the way to go, even when it's not the way to go for every use case. You have to containerize everything, even when containers might not work for a specific use case. And then these ads will have you VPN all the things. Yeah, but it might not make sense in certain use cases. These tools are great. There's a reason why these technologies exist. But no technology is perfect. If someone advertises that it is, they're wrong. 100% of the time, they're wrong. There's no perfection in IT. There never has been. There never will be. It's all about how you use the tool. I mean, you could have a really awesome hammer and, you know, you're building a shed and you just go right through a board. Well, it's not the hammer's fault. You just yeah. need to aim better. <laughs> <laughs> or you hit your thumb or something, which would be even worse. But yeah, I mean, you just, we have tools. It's all about how they're used. That determines how effective they are. And there's a question that keeps coming up in the chat room that we have not responded to at all. And I think several people have asked this, some variation of how is this VPN provider? 
is this VPN provider good? And there's a reason why, you know, I, I think you probably have the same opinion, Tom, but I don't want to answer that because if a VPN company is good today, well, great. That's awesome. But people are going to be listening to this podcast episode. I mean, this is evergreen. It could be like five years from now and people are listening to this episode. And what's good today? Well, it might not be good tomorrow, next week, next year. We just don't know what's going to happen, who's going to be breached, who's going to be caught logging things that they say that they're not logging. And if we go on this episode and say, yes, try this VPN company, they're the current best. Yeah, they might be today. But again, we really don't know. So it's one of those things that I'm really cautious about. I don't want to recommend a VPN provider in a video or content that's going to be evergreen and listened to or watched for years down the line because that could lead people astray, unfortunately, if they were to follow our advice and our advice no longer applies. Yes. Now, um, a couple of safety tips here and kind of related to it. One, the VPN companies seem to be conglomerating and getting bought up. Uh, that is something that is going on in the back end. If you follow that, as I've seen, people are upset. And this is actually just it, it's a venture capital thing. There's a lot of VC money out there and they're going, hold on, these companies make how much money? Well, why don't we start buying them all up and then we can get better buying power and do better blanket ads. So uh, they're changing hands a lot. It's, it's something that seems to be going on in the back end of the marketplace. It's not it doesn't seem 100% clear because if they're not publicly traded, they're also not necessarily going to disclose whether or not they were purchased by someone. But another thing to keep in mind, when you set up one of these privacy VPNs, you would like to use whatever one you like to use. So you have no, we have no partial recommendations for any of them in particular. But one thing to consider is do not load their software. This is to me a big no-no. A lot of them do open VPN. Great. Load the free and open free open VPN client and set it up. Or some, a lot of them are supporting WireGuard. Load the WireGuard client and set it up. Now, it is obviously more convenient to use their software, but this is where things come into a fuzziness of their software may have something in it. And this is where, as I mentioned earlier, there's a company that caught kind of injecting ads or adding extra things into their software. This can be a concern. Now, you're weighing the convenience of your trust to load a third-party program onto your computer. I, especially if that program is safe today, but then a company buys them, is it safe when there's an update? Well, I don't know. It's a level of trust you're placing in some company that claims to be privacy oriented. So anytime I use it, and for me, it's not even an option most of the time for the software to use these uh, privacy VPNs because I'm using Linux. There is no loader. I just get the OVPN file and run it. So it's not a big deal. Yeah, just um, import the profile. Yeah, I just import the profile inside of GNOME and hey, look, it's another one added. Actually, I usually import a few of them so I can bounce around between different locations and uh, depending on what my purpose is for what I'm connecting. But you can do the same thing in Windows. It's not like you need to use their software. And if you find a VPN company that says it only works with our software, I'm going to recommend at least don't use that company. <laughs> so yeah, I don't like any files. kind of lock-in and it, it's just not good at all. Um, and also, I think it's important to understand that at least in my opinion, this isn't like an industry analysis that I've done. I'm just going by what I've seen. The majority of the VPN providers I've seen are money focused, not security focused, but they will all say that they're security focused, every single one of them. Because if they were to you know, advertise like, our VPN software is awesome. We're really focused on just maximizing our, our income and security is something that we do also. But yeah, it's a great VPN. I mean, no one's going to be that honest, right? Um, that's why they get bought up so often because you give them enough money, they'll do it. If you give them enough money, they might consider starting to log when they haven't been doing that before or maybe put some spyware or some kind of malware in their installer. You don't know 
a lot of these companies, I mean, they, they'll all say the same thing. They're security focused. Maybe they've been audited. They've been independently audited, like you mentioned earlier. I mean, they're not telling you that their um, best friend's cousin's stepson, who's 14 and got an A in his high school computer class, was the one that audited it. That was an independent auditor, but probably not somebody with the industry experience unless they're a prodigy to do a thorough audit. So <laughs> that claim can go somewhere. I don't really think that means anything. They all say the same thing. But when it comes down to it, when enough money is 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 you know waved in front of their face, they're probably going to go for it. And that's why... You know, if I'm using a VPN today, I know full well I might cancel my subscription tomorrow if there's something I don't like about it and go a different direction at a moment's notice. That's kind of the way it is right now. I really wish there was a, you know, security-focused VPN that was so amazing that we could give a unanimous recommendation, but I'm still kind of cautious about that. So I agree with that completely. Now, back to a positive note. We do recommend, as we said, if you're setting this up at home and you want to connect to your house, absolutely great way to use a VPN, great mm -hmm. way to not expose services. This is even, as I mentioned earlier in the show, this is how I connect even to my home things like my any resources I want at home. I have my phone connected so I can have my Synology, and it's why I don't expose it. This is something I repeat whenever people ask is I try to expose the minimum number of services unless I need, absolutely need it publicly exposed for whatever reason. Um, but I first try to whittle down all the ways I could probably get around it if possible. Uh, this is just trying to reduce threat surface. And this is where having a home VPN. Also of note, if you have a public IP address available to you and you have something like PFSense, using when you're out of your house, using it just to reroute all your traffic back through your house is not a bad idea. Um, that's actually a nice way to not have to spend any extra money, so to speak. So you're wandering around, you found yourself at some coffee house or some place with public Wi-Fi. You would like to connect your laptop. You're like, yeah, I don't know if I trust these people around me. And this is just an open Wi-Fi. So yeah, they could be someone trying to see where I'm going or trying to DNS hijack me. Let me tunnel back to my house. And then from my house, I pivot and go out. This is a great way to encapsulate all your data. So this is that's a really solid use case and also saves you some money. You don't have to pay these subscription fees to VPNs. Unfortunately, we know some people are behind CGNAT. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, I'm trying to remember, I believe it's called the Streisand Project. Man. Yeah, I've I, heard of it and I've seen it. I haven't had a chance to really check it out. But I, my I friend Tony's reviewed it uh, before when we were back when we were doing the um, SMR podcast. I imagine the project's only gotten bigger. But you can find a few different projects out there on Linode uh, that you can run. So if you're behind something CGNAT or whatever, you can spin up a Linode one. And Linode's got some pretty inexpensive, what's the lowest charge one they have right now? Probably $5, $5 a month. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I know the VPN services do it a lot cheaper, but you'd end up with your own IP address that would be less likely to be blocked because of other people sharing that IP address on there. Now, granted, yep. when you're using a VPN, you're hiding in the noise. So think about what, what you're actually wanting to hide from. Is it local threats or... Is it something more remote? But nonetheless, you tie it to Linode and pivot off of that. Not to mention Linode's kind of disposable, so to speak. So if you set up a container uh, and build it and it's on an IP address and you go, well, nope, nope, I just want to destroy this one. Well, you can then just destroy that one and rebuild it again in another area, maybe another region of Linode uh, to pop out somewhere else. So You just create an image of it. And then once it's set up properly and you could just deploy it wherever. Another thing that I'll mention as a recommendation is um, not to buy the annual subscription. Um, and I, you'll usually save a lot of money by doing that. Um, 
But the thing is, you don't know what that VPN provider is going to be like in a year. So once they have your money, they have your money. So if they get breached the next month, well, guess what? You, you're you missing out on the rest of your use for that. And I mean, could you get a refund? Maybe, but I, I mean, probably most likely not. So uh, yeah, even though it's more expensive to do a monthly uh, fee for that, well, you don't know. You just don't know. And, and if you're using a cloud provider like Linode, well, I mean, if anyone, you know, if there's a policy change, um, it's your fault, right? <laughs> if you're sending your, your you know, connection logs to slash dev slash null, which is probably the best place to send them, um, but you know, something happens and the sim link goes away. Well, guess what? It's your fault that it's logging now. Um, if it goes down, it's your fault as well. But that being said, it's a good learning experience and um, you know who's involved, you. You know the mindset of the person that's involved with that VPN provider because it's you. Um, so basically you call all the shots and there is some power to be had with um, something like that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, someone asked, "I what's the quickest way to do this, Jay? If you had a connection in, in the Linode one, um, what's the quickest way to turn off all logging? You can set logs to at zero. There's, I, I've never thought it about. Depends it. on well, if you want to, it depends on what logging you want to get rid of. Because um, if it's just the VPN log, you could set it in the config file for the VPN, you know, platform that you're using. Just you know, tell it, you know, disable it if it has that ability. Send all your logs to dev null. <laughs> Send all your logs to dev null. Um, there might be some logs that you might want because if like you're having like a system failure and you want to know like what's the error message, you might yeah. need that log. But you have to be careful because a lot of the Linux logs, you know, logging from other services can, you know, be in other logs. So you have to really kind of audit that yourself and know which logs you want. Um, for example, if it's Ubuntu, the DPKG log probably doesn't matter. If someone steals that, they're just going to know what packages you've installed. That's probably not something you want everyone to know, but it's not the end of the world. Um, the authorization log could be a big problem because, you know, that shows some actual data that could, you know, yeah. be used against you. Um, the VPN log itself absolutely the dns provider if it's using like local a local resolver for example or an external dns provider it could be the external dns provider that's logging and you didn't even think of that right well if you're not responsible for dns well i mean who is so you have to think about those things and it's a good learning experience in that manner too because it forces you to really think about the information on your instance and where it's saved and what information in particular is saved and you'll learn a lot during that process. And just take your time. Don't rush. You know, don't, don't try to get it set up tomorrow um, because the more you rush it, the more mistakes you're probably going to make. And we're all human. So take your time with it. Look at the config file. Look at, the, at your log. See what information is there. And then um, you should be fine. So it's absolutely a project that's fun and, and a great learning experience building your own VPN server. Yeah. So user offer code Linode to do that. <laughs> my, last, yeah. my last shout out for a sponsor we do like and not a VPN company. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and that, that makes a lot of sense in multiple ways. It, it's just, you know, it, it, to speak in general terms, even um, cloud providers, they make the best DMZ, right? Because you have things at home. You don't really want people logging into your home network that you don't know. And why expose something in your home network that people can get into and then traverse into other things. If you have, if you want to start up a blog or something, just run it in the cloud somewhere outside of your network, because you know, it, yeah. it'd suck if your website gets taken over, but at least they're not in your home lab, uh, you know, putting stuff on your, or a crypto locker on your desktop. Yep. So there's that. It's, it's a really great DMZ and you know, there's all kinds of use cases for that, but whether or not you spin up your own VPN, it, 
depends on your um your use level, case for it, so or your agitation levels how easily frustrated <laughs> are you um do you have a temper <laughs> yeah but it's but it's still fun i mean if you're just calm and approach it with care and um attention it's it's a good it's a fun project it's a fun project all right i think we've beat this horse to death or this vpn to death <laughs> so we've we've yep. certainly uh rounded around this topic hopefully you have a better understanding that those privacy vpns in privacy is not necessarily the same as security with them we've covered that topic and uh now you know why people shill them as much as they do and whether yep. or not you need one still can be up to you i always my goal is always to have people making informed decisions about what they do when it comes to technology so that's what me and jay here do is to just to throw some education out there and have you thinking about it but uh, and hopefully it leads yep. to a project that gives you a better understanding of learning as well so Yep. And don't be a white paper reader only like do actual research. Those white papers about that, those marketing people put out for VPN companies and all yeah, these yeah, other yeah. things. Dive deeper they look it. fine to a CTO, but come on guys, we, we know better. It's not always that <laughs> cut and dry. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, check out both of our channels. We've got lots of topics that are fun and fun projects we talk about. If you're first time here, check out all of our previous episodes because we even me and Jay are in shock that we've already got 40. This is the 49th episode we've done. Looking wow. forward to 50. If you have Q&A, send it over to and head over to the homelab.show and you can uh, ask us some questions and we do our Q&A episodes. We love answering people's questions for that. So thank you everyone who joined us and see you next time.